Hello and welcome to Kicking Balls, the podcast where two 20-something Americans give out a whole lot of opinions on soccer as if they're fact. Alrighty, hello everyone. Welcome to another week. And here we are talking about all the craziness that has and happened. boy, was there a lot of craziness. There's never a dull week, really. I mean, I, I mean, I know we don't really expect that, but... <sighs> you you always sort of expect some craziness because there's never never a dull moment in this sport but um the weekend feels so long ago <laughs> it feels eons ago so long ago that I forgot like one of the main things that we were like we have planned to talk to you about like I forgot to put it on the list of things to talk about that's how long yeah. ago the weekend feels to us right now um so bear with us as we um kind of launch our ourselves way. in um to premier league week six Wow, yeah, we're gonna in my we're mind. gonna try to stick to our agenda. Rachel will yell at me if I get a too um, off topic. So we we have a lot to discuss. Um, but we're yeah. gonna start with week six. Um, and do you want to start with the city tie, and then I will talk about the Arsenal loss. Sure. This was a really frustrating game. <laughs> um, city drew Aston Villa. Um, it just honestly like it was frustrating in some ways because. Because in many ways, it reminded me of City's games last season where they had all of the ball, all of the chances and couldn't get it in in the first half. Um, and then just gave up, a, you know, one moment of brilliance from the other team and it's a draw. Um, was was pretty much it. Um, not, a, not a whole lot really to say about it, honestly, other than it's fine it's not it's two drop points but I'm not that worried about it um frustrating game that that they happen I don't know I don't don't think it was there was anything particularly like controversial or notable about the game it just was like City did weren't finishing their chances um yeah definitely which you know (laughs) is what it is I'm trying yeah, to see if I, I, again, it's not like the end of the world for City either. Um, but, um, to talk about Arsenal, we all knew the winning streak would come to an end. Yeah. Um, to have to be Man United to do it, like, kind of sucked. Um, but, like, also kind of whatever was at Old Trafford, like, it almost seemed inevitable. I will say we had an early goal called off for a potentially wrongly called offsides um we're going to talk a little bit about the controversial calls of the yeah, weekend in a um, moment because there's and I don't a know, story like, to be had there but you can never really know if that really would have made an impact um but it, it may have and it's fine like that that's that's the sport it happens to every single team so that's mm-hmm. not really like I'm not like hung up on that but that's upsetting um we again, I feel like we did similar thing to City. We had so many chances and had a lot of the ball and only scored one goal. And when you press so high and hold so much possession, you get caught on counterattacks. And I mean, that's how yeah. they scored their three goals and basically very similar, exact, like same type things. Um, yeah. Which is nice because that's clearly something that we can work on. Like that is a weakness. That's fine. And we can There's- improve. There's something both frustrating, but also like nice when you get when you always get scored on the same way. 
in within the game because then you know specifically what the problem is yeah and right I think, like like because I think if, if you give up three goals that are all more or less the same, like, yes, you kind of wish your players had adjusted within the game and not let it happen three times. But at the but same time, so like, it's, that's really hard. But then at the same time, you can look at that and go, okay, well, that's how we're giving up goals. So that's what they'll work on in training. Yeah. Like that we don't, at least we're not bleeding goals 12 different ways. Like it's the same exactly. way with City. Like, yeah. like a couple of weeks ago when they gave up those goals um, to, I think it was Crystal Palace. Um the you know the set piece goals yeah. like okay we can seed off set pieces let's work on that yeah yeah um, so there's you know, so an, frustrating in some ways but nice in others it's frustrating but not again the end of the world I mean I think Arsenal will want I mean they won their Europa League game today but they'll want to bounce back in the Premier League and I think that they have the mentality to do that um mm-hmm. but that's what like as a fan you want to see now um they're in like right. a fine but it's not like Oh no, they're they're still in in first. Like we were going to lose. Um, And I think that, you know, just like take a breath and keep on plugging forward as like we've been doing. Um, And honestly, we see Man City again this season, like at home. Like I think that game would be that, that game will be different. But anyway, not, I guess like great results for either of our teams, but kind of like indifferent, like, oh, that sucks. But not yeah. like ending of the world for either of them um yep so not you know kind of like middle of the road whatever we're at um but the real drama I would say of the Premier League this week was a lot of VAR controversy per usual mm-hmm. I feel like there's always like a week in the Premier League but I was like the fuck is there's always a week there's always a week where VAR is a mess and um, this was definitely that that week um chaos simply said I will say my personal biggest bar gripe of the week was the Chelsea West Ham game. Yep. Um, in which Chelsea scored in the 88th minute. Right. Yes. Chelsea were down one, nothing. Yep. And then they scored twice and 76 and 88th minute. They scored, it was one, one. They scored in the 88th minute. West Ham goes down the other end and scores. Yep. And then it's this lengthy VAR review that takes 80 Eons. fucking years. Yeah. And then they call it back for this foul, allegedly, right. on Mendy that is not a foul, in my opinion, first of all. And Mendy's choice when he, he – so basically what happened if you didn't see it is Mendy comes out of the, of the goal and – makes a play on the the ball he doesn't get the ball um him and and the and the forward from West Ham have they contact each other yeah but it's like a collision it's a it's like it's not a foul like there's no in no universe even if they hadn't made that contact with each other that Mendy is getting up and getting back into the position to then save the goal it's not it's not gonna happen and so I I am infuriated on West Ham's behalf it should have ended a draw it was a terrible 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 VAR call I I tweeted it um I tweeted that um and I think this sums up my my always sums up my opinions on VAR but I tweeted it that I I think if it takes more than one look at VAR to decide the call on the field should stand yes right 
Yes. If the call on the field is that it's not a foul, and then you go and look at the screen, if you ha- if if you don't look at it and you can't immediately say, yeah, that's a foul, then whatever the original call, or you can't look at it if there it is a foul on the screen, and then you look at it and they you decide if you can't immediately if you can't look at it and go, yeah, that's a foul, or yeah, that's not a foul within you know two replays of it, like yeah. one slow motion replay then the, whatever the original call is should stand because we're not talking about, and I have my own issues with the VAR, with VAR offsides, but VAR in terms of fouls in particular, and, and, you know, is always going to have, is there's always going to be sub- subjectivity to it, right? Yes. Because I mean, it's a, the referee has to decide. Yeah. The, the, we'll talk about, I want to, when we talk about the Champions League, I want to talk a little bit about VAR and offsides yeah. for a second, but like, unlike goal line technology right which in which case it's either over the line or it isn't like it's black or white with goal line Mm -hmm. technology right um and you can even imagine a scenario where it's black and white if they wrote the rule for offsides a little better you can imagine a rule where it's black or white for offsides a foul and whether or not a foul deserves a yellow card or a red card or is you know a penalty kick or you know whatever those are always going to off going to have a significant degree of subjectivity. Yes, there are rules, but how you're interpreting the play as it's happening and how that an individual referee interprets the rule, like there's always going to be a degree of subjectivity to that. So if there's always going to be subjectivity to it, like sitting there and and analyzing every angle of a potential foul for five minutes yeah no is is not it's not like no if you have to really think about is that a foul or not then in my opinion it's not a foul the um I will say (laughs) for like the arsenal foul that um called the goal back the announcer similar situation thing they were like look the ref was very like he was not far away he had a perfect view of it on the field and did not call it as a foul right yeah. And so I'm and like, saying- if you slowed it down and looked at it at like 15 different angles, which is obviously what VAR did. Okay. Yeah. Maybe it was a foul, but in real time, the ref is right there. It's not a foul in like, and if like, but I'm saying is, if, if and it's slow not a it down. an obvious error, which is what right. VAR is supposed to be. So right. like, then like the there only should be no reason in VAR which, should be doing that. The only instance in which I think I'm okay with maybe a longer review is when we're talking about red cards yes, in which yes. you're talking about a, a yellow versus a red in terms of is the foul endangering the player. Yes, I completely agree. Because I that. think yeah. I think that's one that maybe requires multiple angles on that. Like yeah. if, if you're talking about is this a yellow card for a reckless foul or is this a red card for endangering the player? Yeah. If you're talking uh, yeah. about that sort of distinction, I can I can be okay with a longer VAR review on that, I think in my opinion. I'm okay with that. But if we're talking about a nitpicky foul, right? Not something that's going to be borderline a red card. Yeah. If you can't see it from two angles in full speed or one in slow motion and you can't make a decision right away, you have to sit there and watch it 12 times. Then whatever the original call is, whether if you called it a foul on the field, it stays a foul on the field. If it wasn't, if you called it, if you didn't call a foul on the field, then it's not a foul on the field. Yeah. And And I think that this is perhaps running into an issue where when referees are on the fence, they are not calling anything because they're just waiting for VAR. 
And that's, they're relying and I on think it that, too much. And I think that's where some of the issue stems from. Yeah. I because think I think referees see things that they're like, is that a foul? But they don't want to make a decision in the moment. So they let play go on. Knowing VAR will, they can, you know, fix it later if they fucked up. Yeah. But like, you can still fuck up on VAR. So I think they need to stop doing that. I also, I, the offsides thing in Premier League, um, there, there's been some, there's been, this has come up a couple of times in city games because the referees have blown whistles for offsides positions. Um, in this, in the Aston Villa game, the referee, the assistant raised his flag and the referee blew the whistle. Um, and then Coutinho scored, but it was like at, the whistle had already blown. Yeah. Um, so like city stopped playing. And, and then when you look at VAR, like, and you look at it on the screen, like, I don't really know who was offsides, right? Like, I yeah. think it was probably an incorrect call, but you can't call it a goal and you can't, it couldn't be reviewed on VAR because he'd blown the whistle before the ball went into the, before continue even took the shot. Yeah. yeah. So like city wasn't playing, like Ederson even didn't even try to make a save on right. the you know yeah. you know what I mean so like that's why there are people like oh city 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 blah, blah, blah. Villa, should, Villa got screwed by VAR too like no Villa didn't get screwed by VAR I think the referee probably screwed up but I don't know yeah. that necessarily that ball would have been a goal had he not blown his whistle because city defenders and goalkeeper would have been behaving differently but right. that aside I was under the <laughs> I, I I was under the impression that they are not supposed to blow the whistle when the flag goes up. No, I, I that, but, but like I think or it's that, up to uh, that the assistants are not that the assistants are not supposed to raise the flag. I thought the assistant was only supposed to raise it if it was like blatantly obvious. I thought that even if it is blatantly obvious, they're not supposed to raise their flag. They're not supposed to raise their flag until the play's over. When the play's over, they raise their flag. Uh... But well, they're clearly not us not raise... really knowing the rules clearly probably isn't a good thing. Right. So if they, uh, my understanding of the rule was if, if the assistant sees somebody offsides, whether it's blatant or close or whatever, the play continues. Once the play ends, whether it results in a goal or it doesn't result in a goal, oh. that then the assistant puts up their, their flag was my understanding. Right. So in that case, this scenario in the city game is a mistake by the referee, but it is like, they shouldn't have done that. I don't necessarily agree that that should be the rule. I think if it's blatantly offsides, they should just stop the game. Like they shouldn't keep playing for, you know, we you shouldn't allow the defenders to go full tilt towards the offender. Who well, right, that's the side. argument like, for why you would rather have them raise their flag. Yeah, like if it's I, an obvious offside that they can see, like I would like them to raise yeah, their flag because I an injury is. I agree. Possible. I agree. So. I'm unclear. That's what I thought the rule was that they weren't supposed to do that. Maybe it is. I think they, like they do, do that it. now, though. Yeah, maybe. I know originally when VAR was introduced, they did that, but maybe they've changed it back now where if it's, it's at the AR's discretion, whether he's going to raise his flag or wait till the end of the fight. I'm not sure. But anyway, point being, like, I just think there's a bunch of rules that, and just across the board, that need to be rewritten with VAR in mind. Like the rules need to be reevaluated with the understanding that video assisted refereeing is now part of the equation and how does that impact rules? And so therefore, if you have, if you're not making a split second decision, if you're going to be, you know, thinking about if the referee is going to be standing in front of a video screen, thinking about the exact wording of the rule in his head while he's watching something on the video screen 12 times, 
like, which frankly, I shouldn't be 12 times, but I think there needs to be like the Premier League needs to come up with some better strategies and some better guidelines for referees on how and when VAR should be used. Because yeah. I think it's easy to blame the referees about it because well like it's it's so easy to bear the ones making the decision and and i do think there's a lot of issues with refereeing in the premier league um but i think the var issue is an issue of rules and guidelines yeah like i think that var that the the you know the f the english fa should be should in the off season reevaluate their rule book and sort of do some and 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 maybe make some guidelines be like like I don't know that you'd make they'd want to put a time limit on it but just sort of make some clear guidelines for referees on how VAR should be used yeah or like how long is an is an amount of time is okay for them to make a decision I also don't love the I'm going to be honest, I don't love that the center referee will go over and review a deci- and look at this decision because I'm like what's the point of the VAR referee then? Like be like there being a whole separate referee as VAR because that referee is not making an actual decision. Like yeah, that a couple referee of things. is just, also a like okay. I think either, I either there should be no remote VAR referee or the center referee on the field should never go and look at it. The It's like there should be equal power between the VAR referee and the yeah. field referee in terms of if the VAR referee says it's a foul, then it's a foul. The center referee doesn't need to go look at it. I think like, like that's always the case, right? Like yeah. it feels like every time the VAR referee is like, oh, take a look at it. What the VAR referee yeah. is really saying is it's There's a foul, a foul. Or it's not a foul, yeah. right? Like yeah. is saying the decision that you made on the field, I disagree with. Yeah, which is fine, but then what? But then let's just start doing that instead of wasting more time by having the center referee. I go also over and look don't at like it. how they go like stand at the monitor, which is like right on the sideline where like all the fans are just like cheering at them. And then also, and I know that obviously like this is just part of the game. Anytime you introduce something, but like it's almost an immediate thing where players are gonna go up to the ref and be like VAR this. Yeah. Like, it's just become part of the game where there's any little tiny thing and everyone's like, they're just hounding the ref, they're on the ref. And it's just like, and it's inevitable. But I think it's an, it's, it's such a, it's been such an interesting transition into this, like. And, and here's an example that I think really sticks out in my mind for me with VAR and, and sort of the things that I think it takes away from the game. Go back to the women's Euros final. Yeah. And Chloe Kelly scoring that goal. Yeah. She turns around and waits. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The whole English team runs to her and she waits. Yeah. To see if something is going to be called off, to see if they're going to review something on VAR. As, and, it, and she waits like probably a full minute. Like yeah. there's like a minute there where there's a, and, and, and then she goes and celebrates and it's fantastic and she whips her shirt off and it's amazing. But like that moment, as amazing as it was, would have been so much better had she done it immediately. Yeah. But she didn't because she knows what VAR does now. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just think like there has to be a better way to do it. And I know there's a better way to do it because La Liga and Bundesliga yeah. both have VAR. And, and it does not seem to disrupt the game. Level <laughs> and it doesn't like- Like when the Champions are, League does too. <laughs> there are reviews- 
occasionally, but it doesn't seem to have this sort of constant. I feel like we've been having this conversation about the Premier League like once a month since they introduced ball. Yeah, like, it's ridiculous. So it's- what is so different about it? Like, I don't know. I don't know if it's the English referees. I don't know if it's the FA. I don't know what it is. It's something. Clearly it's something. Because um, it really has a problem that nobody else seems to have, so. Which it wouldn't be the Premier League if that wasn't the case. But um, here we are. Um, fantastic. Let's move on to the Champions League. Welcome back, Champions League. Hello, group stages. We're in it for My love-hate relationship with the Champions League. Love-hate relationship. I now have class again in, like, the middle of the day, so... I can't watch a lot of games, but we're going to make it happen. Um, A lot happened, um, and we're going to talk about, I think, the games that we watched, obviously, but then just, like, there's some clear notable ones that, obviously, first group stage game doesn't impact a ton, but, you know, lays lays a good background, backbone, whatever, for the rest of the group stages. Yeah, it lays a good foundation. It's a good, it's nice to have momentum. Yeah um so do you want to choose the results yeah to Dortmund the Dortmund game first because yeah sure Dortmund one. Um, Dortmund Copenhagen Dortmund looked pretty comfortable um yeah. you it, it, those of you who are familiar with Dortmund know they love a hot and cold and there's no consistency to them whatsoever and never has been <laughs> um we did get to see Gio Reyna come back um in this game he got subbed on pretty early from um because of an injury but yeah. so that does mean he played most of the game, which is, well, you know, not great for the interplayer. Um, nice to see Giorena back on the field. And not only is he back on the field, but he mm-hmm. bagged two assists. Yeah. Um, which yeah. is good stuff. Exactly Dortmund, honestly, what you want to see. Yeah, it's exactly what you want to see from, from Giorena coming off of injury. Um, I would hope they continue to manage his time intelligently, but that he does continue to, you know, see the field significantly. And I'd like to work him up to being, you know, starting again in late October. Yeah is my sort of yeah what I would like to see um but ultimately it was a good performance from Dortmund um Copenhagen was not as inconsistent as Dortmund can be uh Copenhagen was not not particularly up to I will say uh Copenhagen I I watched this game partially because Copenhagen was my team when I studied abroad and I went to some of their games and like saw them play live and like you know have their uh-huh. scarf and all of that so it was really fun to see them in the champions league i think that the win was them getting there um right and when dortmund is on like the annoying thing about dortmund is when they're on they look fantastic they're, but yeah. they when, might not, when dortmund they might is on, be on like 50 percent of the time dortmund's probably on about dortmund dortmund's probably properly on about 50 percent of the time and then like scrappily on about 30 percent of the time so like they're yeah. they win more much more games we talk a lot of shit about Dortmund <laughs> we love them we clearly do I, for Sorry. someone who is for someone who is literally a Dortmund fan um yeah. as a me um I talk a lot of shit about Dortmund but they're still pretty clearly one of the best teams in Germany yes. they're almost always finishing second they're just um, infuriating to watch sometimes as they're in, they are they're just they sometimes lose to teams they have no business losing to but they're they do usually arsenal kind of they are, they are kind of, there's some there's some similarities there, there are some yeah. similarities. um 
yeah, but anyway, this is a honestly a fairly expected result um, for Dortmund, yes. but it was it was nice to see Durena back a couple of assists. Yes. Um, Salzburg Milan was a tie, one one. Real Madrid um, beat the crap out of Celtic. Um, not particularly notable there. What it what was an interesting result? Uh, Shakhtar beat Leipzig four to one, which is particularly notable given that Shakhtar um, is <laughs> a Ukrainian team that uh don't have a stadium right now don't they're playing stadium? their home games um yeah. they're playing their home games in poland um i will say i i don't want to say i think i i mean obviously i think they're the team like people will be rooting for um yeah i forget who else is in their group i'm sorry but i think it'd be cool if they got out of the group stage i don't know the other group the other rest of their group is celtic Real madrid oh so, so totally possible i think totally possible um, yeah being leipzig be is story. big because Leipzig is who you might have expected to yeah. be the second team out of that group, uh, beside um, from Madrid. So I think the next game is gonna is gonna matter a lot. Um, yeah, if they can beat Celtic, that'll be yeah important. Cool. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, moving on. Let's talk. We can talk City Sevilla. There's not a whole lot to talk. There's about not it. much to say for that. I don't think. Um, City, to my ever loving delight beat the living shit out of Sevilla. Um, it was a 4 nothing win. It was it was a simple, simple, simple win. Nothing, nothing too crazy. Holland had a brace. Um, Foden had a had a, a gorgeous finish. Um, and then Ruben Diaz, of all people, um, had a tap-in sure right well. at the end. Um, a couple things, a couple things I do want to sort of briefly touch on um, with City's performance in this game. Um, one is it was the first start um, for Sergio Gomez um at left back and felt like right back because walker picked up a bit of an injury um and i i liked what i saw from him i think he's a you know he also gets involved pretty heavily in the attack and it was i mean sevilla was did not put up uh, super very much of a fight but um you know it was nice to see him get a start and, and a good look there um calvin phillips logged his first champions league minutes um in towards the end of the game also came on looked pretty good in the short period of time he was on i expect as fixtures heat up we will see more and more of him um which i feel good about um jack raylich had a start uh he looked fine has not really hit his rhythm yet but that's not to be surprising given that he's just fresh back from an injury um so so we'll see how that develops over the course um Manuel Akanji, City's newest um, center back signing, also started at center back because Stones also picked up a bit of a niggling injury, which makes it really nice that um, we signed him because otherwise we really wouldn't have another center back. Um, And he looked very at home um, in the City lineup, which is particularly nice since he's only been with the club for about four days. And one of the, and two of those days he had leave because his wife had gave birth. Oh, so he only trained, he only trained with the team. Um, he only trained with the team for about day and a half. Um, so it was, again, Sevilla did not make it super difficult for them, but, um, he looked good. He looked solid. It was, um, respectable ball distribution from him he's a big physical guy he's fast which i like so i'm excited to see more of him um but it does look like he's settled in quickly which is you know you always like from your center backs particularly when you've got two two of your other center backs injured um Mm -hmm. although i I don't think stones is out for like 
a period, long period yeah, of time. Long I time. think he just, it's just like a knock kind of situation. And, and Pep was like, well, I have a kanji. I'm going to use him. Um, so hopefully Stones is not out for, for too long, but um, that is just notable there. And then the last person I want to, I want to give a shout to um, is my boy, my son, Phil Foden. Um, he was city's man of the match. Um, he had a fantastic game. He has been, I think I've said it a couple of times. He, he's definitely taken a little bit of time to warm up to the season. And I think part of that was because he did not come to the U S with city when they came here. So he was not involved in most of city's mm-hmm. preseason. Um, and I think what you were seeing in those first couple games of the premier league was him, his preseason, basically it was his yeah. warm up. Um, he's now looking he had a fantastic game yesterday. Um, looked he was playing on the right rather than the left um, as he has been recently, but it doesn't really seem to matter. He loves to cut into his left um, just as much as he does to, you know, to, to wiggle around um, defenders. He looked really, he had a really, really good game yesterday. It, it was um, the sort of, uh, the sort of performance I have come to expect from him, um, but he loves the champions league. Um, he looked really good. I'm happy to see him looking good. I expect we'll see that trend continue. Um, people were, people will shit talk to my boy. Um, mm. after the first couple of games because he was clearly still in preseason mode because he had a shorter preseason um wasn't with the team but I think he's settled in now he's good we're gonna see him back in the form he was in last year so um yes. Bowden was my man of the match um Bowden was City's man of the match De Bruyne was UEFA's man of the match um okay <laughs> because he also had a brilliant game he is truly in peak form right now I think he's loving life Feeding Holland the ball. Um, if both, if the two of them can stay healthy, I think we're going to see an astronomical amount of both goals and assists um, from from that duo right there. But nice. yep, that's it. Um, other notable, uh, nice Barca win. Um, Lewandowski had a hat trick. Lewandowski had a hat trick. Uh, I mean, we talked last week about how they've been looking like you know solid, good in the league. Um, mm-hmm. I think the real test for us to really judge them will be when they play Bayern, but I mean, yeah, they're doing what they have to do now. And that, I think that game might be next week. Unknown, uh, um, but that'll be a yeah, fun maybe. match to watch, but good job on Barca for getting uh, through that game. Um, Ajax beat Rangers, Sporting, Porto beat, um, or sorry, Sporting beat Frankfurt. Mm. Porto lost to Atletico. Porto yes. Atletico was a wild ass game. I very wild, wild. I, I, my ass notes game. are insanity and athletic Porto match is what's in our agenda. <laughs> yeah, nothing else to so, say about it. What's not so about this game? So here's the thing: there were two red cards in the Champions League yesterday. One in the Porto Atletico game, and then one in the Spurs Marseille game. Um, I will say I saw both of them. The Spurs Marseille one is about as clear of a red card as you can get. Yes. It's very clearly a denial of a goal scoring opportunity, very clearly a foul. Like yes. it's about as clear cut. There's nothing controversial about the Spurs Marseille one um, that was a Marseille player. The Atletico Porto one, however, was one that I can't say I've seen before. <laughs> it was a second yellow for the uh, the Porto player. And it was a second yellow for simulation yeah so if you're not familiar with soccer terminology somehow um he got a second yellow for diving yes here's my thing about it there's significant contact between the two players (laughs) 
is the offensive player looking for contact? Probably. Is it a second yellow? But there's still significant contact. I don't think there's enough, like, it was in the box, so I think the referee is right not to call a PK for Porto. I'm not so sure I'm on board with a second yellow and sending off for simulation when there is significant contact. You could have called if the, the players like what I if the like, players like, had not touched each other, like if there'd been no contact and he and he'd fallen over and he dove that way, uh, then I think yeah, give me yellow. He could have just gotten a regular simulation foul and it could have gotten a free kick. That's what I don't. Yeah. That's what like baffled me. Sure, fine. If you want to say it was a dive, fine. But I think that I, like that. Why like, is it the a second yellow? Player, I think <laughs> the offensive player is like, I mean you can never say for sure because he doesn't like stick his leg out in a completely unnatural position to catch the defender. But I think he is looking for contact here. And I think he does go down easy, but I don't think he's not so clearly not making the play for the ball. Like it's, it's just sort of like yellow. If it was a first, like, I do think there's a difference between a first yellow and a second yellow. I agree. I think, and I, think I also that, think honestly, a maybe it's a first. first yellow card, but it's probably not a second one. Like I don't I think it's controversial as a first yellow card. Yeah, I would agree. Like with I think that. you could like you could argue it's a first yellow card, but I think it's controversial as a first yellow card. Yeah. I am not sending him off for that. <laughs> no, not when there's as much contact as there was. No. If there, like I said, if there's no contact between two players, all right, fine. Is he looking for? Is the player looking for contact to go down and win a PK? Yeah, probably. But I don't think that makes it a yellow card for simulation. It can just be a foul. It can, right? or it can just not be anything. anything. He can just not call a PK. Like, yeah, I yeah. Um, anyway, I don't but know. So I, that happened. Nonetheless, that this happened and still ensued post that insanity. It's zero zero when that happens. That happened, um, I, I can't remember the exact timing that that happened, in, but it was fairly late in the game. This all, this um, game, everything happened. Maybe yeah, in that happened in like... the, that happened in the 81st minute. <laughs> so yeah, there are then nine minutes minimum of extra time. Now I will tell you why they ended up playing 11. I will tell you why. This is one where you know why they went on longer. So then in the first minute of extra time at 90 plus one, Atletico scores. Yep. And you're thinking even with nine extra minutes, that's that's, that's it. it, right? That should be Atletico's the won the game. Um, and then five minutes later at 90 plus six, um, one of the athletic player, Atletico players uh, has a handball in the box <laughs> and Porto gets awarded a PK. So this is going to add a, a big chunk of time on here. This is why we ended up with an extra two minutes on top of a nine already is this PK, this right? It's ridiculous. <laughs> Porto scores their PK. It's now 1-1 one, one at 90 plus seven. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so you're thinking, okay, that's that's got to be it. That right? has to be the game. Uh, okay, like let's just pack it up. Good it's job. Wrong, Move on. Right? <laughs> There's two minutes left of extra time. They keep going, they keep going, they keep going. And what happens at 90 plus 11? Griezmann scores. Griezmann scores at 90 plus 11. It was insane. I could not. Like, honestly, honestly, let me just say, first week of the Champions League, I don't know if a game will beat 
this year in the Champions League will beat that insanity of the end. There's always an there's always seems to be an extra time insanity game in the Champions League. Yeah. Um, like I, I think a couple years ago, the Barca comeback of PSG in second leg. That or was the, the or um, last year's PSG game versus like Porto or Benfica. No, or... no, no, no. But last year or last year's Real Madrid City second leg. Oh, like, that one. There's yeah, always yeah, yeah. dramatic yeah. like extra time. There's always one of those games. Generally, that's in the knockout rounds, not in game match week one, match no, day one. Not normally. But... So hey. If it's anything to say, and the entire Champions League is as exciting as this game, we're in for a nice long ride. It'll be fun. We are indeed. It was, hey, I'm I'm entertained. And I'm going to be honest, Athletic is not always the most entertaining game to watch. No, it's not. Sometimes but when they, they do are... shit like that, it's fun. <laughs> Sometimes they do shit like fun. But I would say Athletic, maybe if you're not a, a supporter of Athletic, which if you are, more power to you, my friends. But, um... If you're not, the, I think honestly the best thing to do with athletic games is tune into the last ten minutes. Yeah, or watch the highlights. Because <laughs> this is not they. I forget the exact number, but they said Griezmann has like the most extra time game winning goals like in Champions League history or something like that. Like he has, he like does that often. Yeah. So like, anyway, whatever. Nonetheless, anyway, um, fantastic ending. game. We'll you know hope for more of that. Um, let's yeah, PSG, couple PSG beat Juve. 2-1. Yeah, it was a really good first half from PSG and a not good first half from Juve. Um, yeah. Mbappe scored, scored a brace of nice goals. Neymar seems to be popping off. Um, yes. yes. I will say. Neymar's having a, a hell of a time right now, which if you're Brazil, you're real pleased about. Very, very pleased about. Yeah. Um, you're like, look at this man go. And you're hoping he does look not at this get man injured. Go. Yeah, you're, so you're hoping, hoping <laughs> you're hoping there's no injuries there because he, you know, as we all know, has had some some injury issues the last couple of years. Yeah. But anyway, they and then uh, Weston McKinney gets subbed on in the second half, scores a, a classic. Uh, what we like to yeah. think, um, probably as American fans, is a very classic Weston McKinney goal off a off a set yeah. piece. Yeah. Um. But it just wasn't enough for Ruby in the end. They look better in the second half. They look but, better um, in the second half. Though. I I I I wouldn't be like worried. Juve shouldn't be worried with this score. They just honestly, their first half just wasn't great. If they had played two decent halves, yeah. I think this game probably would have been a tie or something. But, um, yeah, again, first game, not the end of the world. Um, you know, it's funny when we don't talk about a Liverpool loss last. Um, we talked about them second to last. Um, Liverpool lost what 4 1 to Napoli? 4 1 to Napoli. Um, and Man. they were a defensive mess. Is what I, I have. I actually heard someone say, and this is not me, but um, but I listened to several podcasts over the last couple of days because of all that's been going on, and we'll talk about the elephant in the room in a, in a minute or two. Um, but um, I heard someone say earlier today on one of the podcasts I was listening to. I don't remember if it was ESPN FCs or the Athletics or or who it was I was listening to at the time, but they said that this game against Napoli was Liverpool's worst performance under Klopp. I don't think that's a very hot take. <laughs> Liverpool was a mess. Absolutely defensively, mess. they ha- seemed like they had absolutely nothing going forward. You kind of thought, honestly, after their loss to Man U and then the 9 nothing win at Bournemouth, which 
between those two games, you kind of thought Liverpool was bouncing back, right? After a slow start to the season. They, like, yes, in the bigger picture, losing the first game of your Champions League, like, is, is like, okay. Like, Liverpool's probably still going to get through their group, right? Like, the other two teams in the group are, um, where did it go? The two teams in the group are um, Ajax and Rangers. Like, yeah. they're they're probably – they can probably still get through this group, right? Yes. But, but losing to Napoli is not a good look. No. Napoli played a good not. game. Nothing away from Napoli. Oh, Napoli yeah. And I, I, I don't like to be like, oh, no, Liverpool only lost the game because they look bad. I, I do – Napoli – has always been a good team and they look very good in this game. Yes, absolutely. That being said, Liverpool is supposed to be one of the best player, best teams yeah. in yeah, Europe. Yeah. I mean, they, they were, were in the, the final, final last year. year. Yeah. Like it, it, you almost wonder if maybe, and I think I said this, I said this some point, maybe last year, um, sort of talking about Klopp and that perhaps at some point Klopp's whole rah, rah shtick doesn't work anymore yeah 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 I remember this and I'm wondering if that's what's happened I am not by any means calling for Klopp to get fired that is not what I'm saying I do think this could be this could be the final turning point right this loss they could come roaring back and you know go on a crazy streak and and turn it around but I'm not calling for Klopp to get fired but I wonder if maybe that's part of the issue because I think his pep sort of style of management while or Klopp sort of style of management while he's yes I don't think he's a, a slouch tactically by any means his sort of man management style is one that I could imagine getting old after and he's been at Liverpool for a bunch of years now like I could imagine it's not hitting the way it used to yeah because it like okay yeah Tiago has been out injured but he's back now um who else was really missing uh, they lost money over the summer I mean we're not talking about like their star players that you if you if you go up to a random person on the street right that's a soccer fan and you say name three Liverpool players I think the first three they name are Salah Trent and Van Dyke right yeah. those guys are all playing and healthy yeah yeah so like what's going on tiago's back now what's going on i i don't know you t- like genuinely you tell me i don't know um but this is definitely not a good look for them at all um this is worse of a look than losing to Manu. yeah i think and i mean like again like i don't think we're saying that claw i i I'm saying no I'm not saying Klopp should be sacked yet I am saying however if they have not turned things around by the World Cup don't expect to see him after the World Cup yeah I think that then things are up in the air I think he's at he's he's at a sort of a point now where the conversations about him being fired shouldn't start yet but people are going to start thinking about having those conversations if he doesn't turn it around in the next couple of weeks between now and the World Cup. So he's got, you know, two months to yeah. turn it around. Which I think, I, think I don't like, think there's any. 
I think he can do that. Oh, I think he can too. I have, I will not, I will be, by no means will I be surprised if they go on a run after that game. By no means will I be surprised. Um, But I do think like, I think particularly given the other piece of news this week, which we'll talk about in a moment, um, people, the whispers about is Klopp up to the task or is Klopp the problem at Liverpool are starting to circulate. They're only whispers, but they are starting to circulate. I think it's early. I think it's too early. Um, But I think those whispers will be much, much louder if they don't turn it around in the next couple of weeks, particularly if they go into their Champions League next next week and don't win it. They have to win that game. That's a must. They have to. If they lose another, if they lose their Champions League game game again next week, I think we're going to see significantly more whispers. Yeah. Um, so now let's move, I mean, sticking with the Champions League, but moving to, you know, the big elephant in the room that I think most people are thinking about, which is, drum roll, Chelsea. Chelsea. Um, so basically how this started, Chelsea lost their Champions League game. Chelsea Tuesday lose one nothing to Dynamo Zagreb. Yes. Obviously unexpected. Chelsea has not been playing great in the Premier League, but again, not like terrible. But it's a one. It's a one nothing loss. It's a the one rest of their loss. group is it's not Salzburg and Milan, right? Like who who tied? Yeah. So. And, and and Tuchel sounded, you know, not pleased after the game. Obviously, Chelsea have had a rough, a rough run of it, and probably should have. They were lucky to win at the weekend, as we discussed earlier. Yeah, Bar gave them a gave them a boost to win at the weekend, but they still only, if I remember correctly, they've only lost two Premier League games. I think. They've like, not been playing bad. They've not been playing well. No, they've not well, been no, playing well, but but, but like, they're not like zero for six in the prem. Like, no, I no. They're um, you know, like I, there's nothing. Yeah, there's some warning signs there, but there's they've also just brought in a bunch more players. Yeah, also like right six at the place, like not te- like ten points. That's only five behind Arsenal. Like they're. It's so tight at the top. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have really they mean have, anything. This is what it is, right? So they lost to Leeds. Yeah. Right? And they lost to Southampton. Yeah. That's it. They drew Spurs, but I think that's fine. Drawing, drawing Spurs That was a fine. fantastic game. That was a really good game, though. Right. But that's their... But so they've played seven games, right, yeah. in all competitions. They've lost three of them. I mean, that's, that's not great. Fantastic, that's but it's not, not great. Like, catastrophic in my mind. No, no, especially because they've just brought in Fofana. Aubameyang has literally just rolled up. Yeah. Like, there's nothing, yes. And it's not even like they lost emphatically to Dynamo's a grab the way that, like, Liverpool lost. For yeah. Example. It, like, they yeah. didn't lose 4 1. They lost 1 nothing. Should they yeah. have lost 1 nothing? No. No. Is it the end of the world that they lost one nothing? No, no. What so, happened Wednesday morning, Rachel? Um, yeah. So uh, Tuchel has been fired. He has been sacked. Um, so unexpectedly. 
as you can kind of tell. Everyone was kind of like, I remember very distinctly, I woke up Wednesday morning and I opened Twitter and it's the first thing on my Twitter timeline. I was like drinking my morning coffee right before I went to work. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, that was my reaction when you texted me. I was like, and I, then I texted Rachel and you were like, this. what? Me neither. I didn't even cross my mind that it would be a possibility. He just spent $200 million over the summer. Yeah. Also, like, with the World Cup this year, you would kind of think, or, like, I assume, like, again, like, we were talking with Klopp, like, kind of use you have that until as, the like, World your Cup. break point. Like, yeah. You have until the World Cup to turn things around or you're fired. And, like, he's a prominent and, big enough coach to have that happen. But yeah. no. And he's won a Champions League at the club. Recently. And they've just changed management and lost like half their backroom staff. So what's interesting about Tuchel being fired, we're now moving on completely from the Champions League to just talk about Chelsea. Um, what, what's interesting about Tuchel being fired is that I, I didn't, for obvious reasons, because why would I, pay super big attention to like what's going on behind the scenes at Chelsea before Tuchel got fired, right? Because why would I? I, I, don't, I don't keep track of what's going on behind the scenes in a club that I don't support yeah why would I I don't know I don't got time for that right I got I got no time nobody has who has time for that but now that Chelsea have fired Tuchel and you know there's a lot of people have a lot of thoughts about it and there's a lot of you know sort of news surrounding it and I did a little reading and sort of there various articles came out that talked about the behind the scenes situation at Chelsea who, as we all know, have just changed ownership in the spring um, to American owners who own the Dodgers. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what his last name is, but I know his first name is Todd. <laughs> Bali? Is it Bali? Or is that Bali, Bolly, something like that. That sounds right. Anyway, this guy right. <laughs> has been in, I think they said like he's been in, he's owned Chelsea for like less than 100 days or something like that, it's or like right around 100 time. days. It's been a very short amount of time. But apparently with this takeover, they lost, like, a lot of their, like, they lost basically all of their, like, scouting and recruitment staff. Mm -hmm. Um, So basically, Tugel was asked to, like, do the job of, like, three people, basically. And essentially what happened, from what I can tell, what I've been reading, is that Tugel told Mr. Todd what players he wanted, and Todd flew around Europe and made it happen. Um, and essentially, from what I understand, just threw money at people to get the players that Tuchel wanted, right? Because Todd does not have any footballing experience. He does not He's understand owned, He owns other now. sports teams, but he does not have any football, football experience. Yep. Um, there's, there were also some mentions of, of, of sort of, he's very analytics driven. Like that's how he runs the Dodgers, I guess. Um, and has fired and has hired some like data analysts and stuff like that, and so he's been wanting to get players based off analytics. Which um, I would like to say, baseball and football very different on like the analytics side of things, as we've yes. talked about a lot about stats. Like yes, we've talked a lot about stats and our opinions of their, and then there's there's cases in which they can be useful. Yeah. Um, but they're not, I think, nowhere near as um, useful in soccer slash football. No. Um, as they are in baseball anyway Tuchel like isn't really a stats kind of guy he you know Tuchel's got a system but it, it seems like they kind of clashed over how they should be recruiting but 
Mr. Todd deep, like took Tuchel at his word because he was like, you know, the sport and I don't or yeah. whatever. He just didn't have time to deal with it. They did, he didn't have time to argue about it and didn't have an excuse to fire him. So he just went with it and spent $200 million getting the players that Tuchel wanted. Yep. And then at the first opportunity fired him. I also enjoyed I, the rumor that he wanted Ronaldo to come and Tuchel said no. Yeah, that that's one of the big ones is that like he wanted Ronaldo and Tuchel was like no and and he was like why not and Tuchel was like if you need me to explain why not like you don't know anything about this sport and I'm not explaining why yeah. not to you. Yeah. Um which I think is fair. Like I Very think valid. if you wanted if you wanted Ronaldo into Chelsea like you are not you're not understanding you know, you're what not they understanding need or just like anything. Yeah, that's a that's a that's that guy looking at his numbers and his reputation and going, Well, why don't we want this guy? And it's like, yeah, because well, you don't understand the nuances of the game, which is fine. I don't think necessarily the club owner needs to know every nuance of the game, but he shouldn't be making decisions then if he doesn't. Anyway, all this to say, Tuchel gets fired. They say it's not a it, it sort of sounds to me like he was they were looking for an excuse to get rid of him. Yes. Um, but what I don't understand is if they're looking for an excuse to get rid of him, why did they let him spend so much money over the summer and let him buy the players that he wanted to buy? I, that's because that now I don't get either. I don't know. <laughs> because now like Chelsea have a lot of money. Sure. But they spent 200 million. Like they're it's a lot. And they, and that's a lot of money. And, and a lot of, big players now at the club who there's not an unlimited supply of money like they can't go and the transfer window is over like you're locked in with that through january at least and and not that much you know happens in january so you're locked in this for the season right more or less you're locked into the squad more or less you could maybe move a player or two in in january but by and large you're locked into the squad for the season yeah and you're not even going to give tuple the opportunity with his new squad to like figure it out yeah but clearly they don't know what they're doing so it makes sense that they fired him because they weren't thinking about that it also just seems like irresponsible with your money though like you think you know that's how rich people are <laughs> I, I, get, I don't know like it just seems stupid I but agree anyway they so I I think it's I also don't think it's the most respectful of Tuchel and no. all that he has achieved and no. and all he had to deal with in the spring when this ownership change was happening like the fact that Chelsea didn't go to complete shambles in the spring when all this shit was going is down amazing. is amazing is incredible and that's yeah. credit to Tuchel yeah so like and and maybe the writing was on the wall maybe it wasn't going to turn around and Tuchel was going to get fired in November anyway yeah that may very well have happened. I just think that it's he should have gotten the opportunity to potentially turn it around. We've seen him turn it around before. There's Chelsea nothing- was a shit show when he came into the club and they won the Champions League that year. Yeah, like, I, I, yeah, I don't know. It just you know, and and I'm going to be honest. They've brought in, um, they have hired officially hired um, and announced that yeah. Graham Potter is taking over. Um, who if you are unfamiliar is was um the coach of brighton that's a new one i will say i can't remember another time when 
a coach was taken from another team in the same league during the season. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm sure it's happened oh, before, but that's not something that happens particularly often, I don't feel I like. I will also say, and I mean, Grim Potter, fantastic coach, makes sense that Chelsea wanted him. But like, you know how like, like Brighton has been playing really well this season. Mm-hmm. And like, like one of the things that I dislike about, I mean, professional sports in general, but maybe soccer too, is that like, the big teams always seem to end up with like, like, I wish he just stayed at Brighton. Like, I think Brighton, like, honestly, maybe you could have fought for like at a Europa league spot. I'm not saying they mm-hmm. can't do this that without him. I think it's going to be significantly harder now. And, you know, like, I just feel like there's like a monopoly on the best coaches to the best teams. And it's, yeah. it's there's some like nice feeling about Brighton having such a good coach and like, they're doing so well. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. The main, the men in Blazers tweeted that it felt like a Anakin Skywalker to Darth Vader moment. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was a joke, obviously, but was kind of funny. Yeah. Um, and I think sort of alludes to what you're talking about there in the sense that, like, he's gone to the dark side, you know. Um, yeah, and like, and I mean, like, well, you don't want to take anything away from Graham Potter because I think he's a great manager and he probably deserves, uh, you know, to coach a, you know, a top level team. But, yeah, but I, I mean, agree what's with the, the argument sentiment. saying that Brighton is a top level team because they're not Rachel. They don't yeah, have the like, money. I'm just saying, like, no, but but the I, argument I know, is that I know, he but deserves I'm saying, to play like, at a club that is playing Champions League football year in and year out, and that has the money and the resources for him to sort of like, sure. you know, do what he does. I will say though, I agree with you. I don't think he should have left Brighton. Um, but I also like don't I'm not so sure that it it could work out great. But I'm not convinced that it's a sure thing. Yeah, I agree. The type of t- like yes, I think Graham Potter has done a great job at Brighton. Um, and this is a jump that I think is deserved. Like he deserves, I think, to be a what a highly sought after coach, you know. Yeah, but we've not, he's never coached European soccer. Like he's never coached European football, and he has not dealt with the type of yeah. like pressure. ego yeah. and pressure that comes with a club like Chelsea. Yes, and that will be the challenge. Right, yes. completely agreed. And that's not to say he's not up to that challenge. You know, managers, most managers make that jump at some point, but some managers that look like they're going to be great make that jump and it doesn't work yeah and some managers make that jump and it works great and they become one of the greats it'll be interesting to see although Um, interestingly enough i will say personally what i was kind of wanted was that for southgate to get fired for england and i thought graham potter might have a shot at that job yeah That feels like I don't know why that feels like a right fit, but we'll see. We don't know. Um, So I kind of thought, and and nobody really talks about Southgate getting fired. It's not going to happen before the World Cup. No, it's not. But I that was something that had occurred to me somewhere along the line because England likes to have English coaches. Yeah. Um, And I thought that 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 Potter might be Grand Potter might be a good candidate for that potentially in the next couple of years. But if he's taking over Chelsea and and it goes well. Um, I don't 
you know, he's apparently signed a five-year, five-year deal, but manager contracts mean very little. Mean um, nothing. Yeah. Because they, they'll, they'll just get bought out of their contract if he sucks. Um, yep. Um, but anyway, I, we're going to, like. I will say that I, one more thing on the, yep. on the Chelsea topic before we move on. Um, Chelsea have a reputation of not giving a shit and just firing their managers. Yep. So I think Graham Potter is either going to succeed or be fired by the World Cup. <laughs> I, Honestly, I do not know that that is true. If they continue, and and I think the the decision to fire Tuchel does not indicate to me any sort of change in sort of club reputation in that sense. Like I think if there was going to be a change in that sort of reputation at the club, like Tuchel would have been fired. So I think that Graham Potter is either going to succeed or be out of a job. Yeah, pretty quickly. Um, and he may very well succeed. I, I will have, you know, on the one, like for Graham Potter's sake, I hope he does for the state of Chelsea. I hope he doesn't because I hate Chelsea, but you know, you know yeah. we'll see. We'll see what happens. It'll be, it'll be interesting. Um, nonetheless, but yeah. I think any, any last minute, any last thoughts about Chelsea? Nope. I think we're just going to, you know, my uh, guy keep watching <laughs> as always. Um, yeah. So we have two like kind of random miscellaneous things right at the end here. Um, first off, Kara Walsh to Barcelona. We love to finally see Finally actually happened. Finally happened after like almost a month almost of like, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Yeah. Um, and it's for, I believe, a record fee for the women's game. Um, it breaks the, I believe it was Harder who had the fee beforehand, the record, right? Beforehand yeah, when so. she went to Chelsea. I think yeah. Walsh and Barcelona have broken it. I think it's 500 k um was the transfer fee, which we don't need to get into that. Um mm. and the discrepancy in those numbers suffice to say that there are. Nonetheless, um, mm. it does break the record for the women's game. Um and she She's, I mean, we've talked about Kara Walsh before and, and how good she is and how underrated she is. Yeah. Um, and I think she's going to make an already fantastic Barcelona team even better. Yep. I don't really have much more to say about it other nope. than that, other than the, that it's finally gone through. Good for her. Good for Barca. Yeah. Um, Keep it moving. Yeah. And the only last miscellaneous thing, um, everyone's probably heard by now that the queen of England has died. Um, and you might be like, why are you talking about this on a soccer podcast? Because it impacts. It does impact. There's a chance that the premier league games that are coming up this weekend will be postponed. It's being decided Uh, tomorrow um, morning. So we do not officially know as of this time right now, but there's a chance league seven games may not happen this weekend. Yeah. Basically, um, for any Americans listening who are not on soccer, Twitter and or could give less of a fuck about England. Um, basically, the country goes into, I don't know if it's a 10-day or a 12-day or something like that. It's 10 days morning of period. morning. Yep. The 10-day morning period. Um, and so, and that has, I guess, historically, I mean, obviously, they, ha- they haven't had a monarch die in 70 years. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> but historically, that, like, includes canceling sporting matches. Um, so, I guess there are some thoughts that the the matches this weekend could be postponed um there are no premier league games tomorrow which is friday um 
which by the time this published, it'll be today. So um, by the time this comes out, there will probably have been a, a decision, but yeah. um, I will not be surprised if they cancel them. But at the same time, I would not be shocked if they don't because of how little time the Premier League has, how cramped the schedule is. Yeah logistically it would be a nightmare if they cancel these games but England has such a hard-on for their royal family that I wouldn't be surprised I I mean I kind of expect them to be I would expect them to be postponed but it'll be a scheduling nightmare for them to figure out the the football the FA has the FA has uh, postponed their like Thursday their Friday afternoon yeah. games that are there's a couple like championship games and stuff like that that have been yeah. postponed um, yeah. but nothing Saturday has um nothing for the weekend has been yet um we'll see we'll we see. shall see um um yeah but but uh, so we may or may not we may or may not have um have games to watch next week um if we if the games are postponed then uh you'll hear from us just on champions league next week probably um if they're not it'll be probably much like this week where we'll talk about both the the weekend games and next week's champions league um but yeah so we may we may hit you for a shorter one next week or maybe maybe just as long we'll see um yeah but um with that we will with whatever we have to watch uh, between now and the next episode, we will be back with you next week um, to talk some more soccer. That's all for this week. We'll see you next week on Kicking Balls.